Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. This is the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Previous Tax Credit Tuesday podcasts are available for download online at www.novoco.com or by subscribing to this podcast in iTunes. If you'd like to learn more about Novogratik & Company's accounting, consulting, evaluation services, check us out on the web at www.novoco.com or send us an email at cpas at novaco.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This week's discussion will focus on two topics, the current efforts in Congress to craft and pass a housing stimulus bill and a report published last month that examines the leverage measures used by programs such as the Loan Housing Tax Credit and the New Market Tax Credit. But first, there's breaking news to share about efforts to extend the production and investment tax credits for renewable energy. The good news is that the House passed last week, H.R. 5351, the Renewable Energy and Energy Conservation Act, by a vote of 236 to 182. Among other things, the bill would extend the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit for three years and the Investment Tax Credit for eight years. The bad news is that in its current form, the bill faces staunch opposition from Senate Republicans and, worse, the Bush administration has vowed to veto the bill if it is passed in its current form by Congress. The main reason for the opposition is that the pay-for, or the revenue offset, is to repeal existing tax incentives for oil companies. In a statement of policy released last week, the White House said it must strongly oppose H.R. 5351 because the bill would use the tax code to target tax increases on a specific industry in a way that will lead to higher energy costs to U.S. consumers and businesses. A White House spokesperson said, that if the legislation is presented to the president in its current form, the president's senior advisors would recommend that he veto the bill. However, in a statement released before the bill's passage, the Solar Energy Industries Association, SEIA, reported that House leadership could offset the cost of the bill using alternatives to repealing tax incentives for oil companies. The group noted that this will be the third time the House tries to complete legislation to extend renewable energy tax credits. What differs this time around, the association said in a statement, is that House leadership has expressed openness to Senate-proposed pay-forwards that differ from the current House version that repeals oil and gas industry subsidies. Whether the association's prediction is accurate remains to be seen. As yet, alternative offsets have not been mentioned publicly by lawmakers. If the measure again falls short of passage, other legislative avenues remain open for an extension of renewable energy tax credits to be passed this year. For example, Senate Budget Committee Chairman Kent Conrad of North Dakota indicated last month that a $35 billion package of tax incentives to reduce the cost of education, to encourage the production of renewable forms of energy, and to extend expiring tax cuts could be included in Congress's budget reconciliation instructions for the 2009 fiscal year budget. This procedural move by Conrad may set the stage to allow the tax extensions to be approved in the Senate with a simple majority vote, rather than the usual 60 votes needed to avoid a filibuster. For more information, you can visit the Renewable Energy Tax Credit Resource Center online at www.energytaxcredits.com. Click Legislation to download a copy of H.R. 5351, as well as the Joint Tax Committee explanation of its provisions and estimated costs. Updates on the status of this bill and other potential legislation will be posted on our website as they develop. Now let's get started on our first topic of the week, 
Even before last month's economic stimulus bill was finalized, plans began to develop for a sequel stimulus package. The day after the first stimulus bill was signed, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada introduced a second stimulus bill designed to stimulate the housing sector and help prevent foreclosures. Among other things, Senate Bill 2636 would raise the volume cap for mortgage revenue bonds by $10 billion to be used for home mortgage refinancing, loans for first-time buyers, and multifamily properties. Senators are also considering a measure that would create a one-time $15,000 tax credit for taxpayers purchasing a new home, a foreclosed house, or a house for which a foreclosure is pending. In the House, the Financial Services Committee included a number of housing-related proposals in its Views and Estimates budget document, which is drafted annually by each congressional committee and is used by lawmakers when writing the annual congressional budget resolution. The Financial Services Committee's Views and Estimates document provides some insight into the details in a wide-ranging housing stimulus proposal currently being put together by House Financial Services Chairman Barney Frank of Massachusetts. At the current time, none of the proposed housing stimulus measures include provisions related to the housing tax credit. But, as we mentioned in last week's podcast, the Housing Advisory Group reports that House Ways and Means Chairman Charles Rangel's staff has indicated that the New York Congressman may introduce a housing tax credit modernization package for consideration after the March congressional recess. In the meantime, Democratic Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington introduced the LIHTC modernization bill last week. Senate Bill 2666 would amend the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 to encourage investment in affordable housing by making several changes to the Loan Housing Tax Credit program, including changing its name to the Affordable Housing Tax Credit. In her opening statement, Senator Catwell noted that housing is an important issue to many Americans, adding that in light of the recent mortgage crisis, the need for affordable rental housing should not be forgotten. She said, quote, we must not fail to recognize that there are a lot of families that dare not dream of owning their own home. They dream simply of having access to safe, affordable rental housing in our communities, end quote. The National Multi-Housing Council and National Apartment Association echoed this sentiment in a statement released last week, urging Congress to rethink the national housing policy. In a written statement submitted to a Senate Finance Committee hearing on the real estate market, the groups advised that home ownership isn't the right housing choice for all households. The statement said, quote, Housing our first nation means having a vibrant rental market along with a functioning ownership market. To do that, we need a more balanced housing policy that explicitly values rental housing and takes steps to ensure that there's an adequate supply of it, end quote. While other groups support the tax and bond provisions in Senate Bill 2636, they object to other measures such as the Home Ownership Tax Credit. NMHC says such a credit and similar proposals are, and I quote, unnecessary, costly, and counterproductive to the extent that they further the imbalance in our housing policy toward home ownership when market conditions have made it clear that the nation's overly aggressive pursuit of home ownership has caused the current turmoil, end quote. The chances of passage for housing stimulus package are uncertain. Despite widespread discussion of the need for additional activity to support the economy and the housing market in particular, President Bush suggested Congress should wait before passing any additional measures to allow time for the effects of the first stimulus package to kick in. For now, the Senate LHTC modernization bill has been referred to the Senate Finance Committee. We will update you on its progress online at www.taxcreditthousing.com, as well as in emails to subscribers to Novograd & Company's free industry alert email service. 
To sign up for this free service, simply send an email to cpas at novaco.com with the word subscribe entered in the subject line. Now for our second topic of the week. Let's take a look at a report on the leveraging of federal funds in housing and community and economic development programs. The Government Accountability Office, or GAO, recently published a report that examines leverage measures and the transparency of the data and methods used to calculate them. It also looks at the relevance of such measures in assessing performance that the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, and the Treasury Department reported for six selected programs, including the Long Housing Tax Credit and New Market Tax Credit. In this report, the GAO says that leverage measures can provide basic information about the programs it reviewed. However, their relevance in assessing the performance of these programs varies considerably. The report includes a great deal of information on the use of leveraging measures and how they apply to the various programs. For instance, the GAO says that the leverage measures for the several programs it studied lacked transparency because the agencies generally did not disclose the limitations of the data or the methods used to calculate them. In another example, the report says that the leveraging data used for the New Market Tax Credit Program is limited because the Treasury Department is lacking leveraging data at the project level for approximately 26% of New Market Tax Credit projects. GAO says this lack of data could potentially result in an underestimation of the leveraging that occurred in the program. Based on the data that was available, the GAO determined that institutional leverage, meaning net equity generated through the offering of the credits, represented approximately 58% of total leveraging that occurred in the program. And the project level leverage represented approximately 42% of total leveraging. Because the Longham Housing Tax Credit Program does not have a single complete source of data on the extent of leveraging, the GAO surveyed the state housing finance agencies to determine the type of data they collect on the extent of leveraging that occurs in the program. GAO conducted a telephone survey of 57 allocating agencies, which includes agencies in the 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, one sub-allocating agency in the District of Columbia, two sub-allocating agencies in the state of New York, and a sub-allocating agency in Chicago. The survey received 45 responses, representing a 79% response rate. On the basis of those 45 responses, GAO found that 25 allocating agencies collect the dollar amounts contributed by specific financing sources and keep that data electronically. Because not all allocating agencies collected leveraging data, and those that did use different software applications to maintain their data, the GAO determined that it would be difficult to collect aggregate data to report a national leverage measure for the Long Housing Tax Credit Program. In addition to these findings, the report includes detailed information about the use of leveraging measures in the various programs, examples of project profiles, and comment letters submitted by HUD and Treasury in response to the GAO findings. A copy of the report can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com and www.taxcredithousing.com. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please tune in again next Tuesday. NMTC applications are due tomorrow, Wednesday, March 5th, so next week we will review key compliance dates for the NMTC program for the balance of 2008. We will also provide additional insights into the status of the Congressional LHTC modernization bill, including the status of proposals to solve the frozen rent problem facing many tax credit properties. Finally, we will update our listeners on the range of LHTC tax credit pricing in the market today. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.